A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have entered into the world of Matthew. I don't know if you are aware of the lectionary texts, but we have a three-year cycle, and each year we handle a different gospel. And this year, 19, I mean, 20, I almost said 1917. It's, it's been a long day. 2017, 100 years hence, um, we are entering into the year of Matthew. And in the first, very first chapter of Matthew, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's this long genealogy of unpronounceable names um, from all of the 42 generations until Jesus. And they have great names in it. I mean, if you're thinking of baby names right now, here you go. Jehoshaphat, Rehoboam, Zerubbabel. That's my favorite, Zerubbabel. That'd be a great kindergarten name, wouldn't it? Um, so if you need a biblical name, there you go. And in that big, long list, there's five women that are listed with, you know, begat, who begat, who begat. Have you ever wondered why all those names are in there, though? Why they take up the entire first chapter of Matthew with that? Instead of just saying there were 42 generations and then Jesus showed up? It's, I think it's because every single one of these people is named because they're important to God. Every single one of those people has a story. Every single one of those people is part of this history. In fact, the author, Madeline Lingle, says, to be named is to be loved. To be given a name is to be seen and loved. So then we have the second chapter of Matthew, which is basically Jesus is born. um, They move to Egypt. They move back. That's about all he's done until we get to Matthew 3 here. And in Matthew 3, you heard the four short verses that we have for our text today. It's the feast of the baptism of our Lord. And it's just long enough to let us know That baptism is about the same thing, that naming is loving, that God is loving and claiming us. John the Baptist has been baptizing people coming out of Jerusalem because they want to change their lives, which is a lot of us coming out on an icy night in January. We start thinking those same thoughts. And Jesus is basically just standing in line. It doesn't say that he's doing anything big. He's standing in line with the other people waiting to be baptized by John. And when it gets to be his turn, John says, no, you're supposed to baptize me. But John loses that fight, and John is going to baptize Jesus. And I think the reason for that is that God has a point to make here. God has a really big point to make at this juncture in Matthew. As Jesus comes up out of the water, the sky tears open. Like What I like in the book of Mark, for instance, is it says it rips open, that the verb used is rips The Spirit of God comes down as a dove and alights or settles on Christ. And a voice says, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So you have to kind of think to yourself, what has Jesus done 
for God to be so well-pleased in him besides be birthed and show up at the riverbank, which is about what we do when we show up at the baptismal font. I was four months old when I was baptized. I don't think I'd done anything great at that point. I don't know. Um, But it says that to be the beloved, the anointed one, the one who pleases God, that's about what you have to do is be present. It pleases God to love him and to love us through him. You know, Pastor Nadia Bolz-Weber, who's a favorite of mine, says that the sky breaks open here because God's love is too big for heaven to hold. It's too much love, so it breaks open and spills out at this point. It's a love that is yours quite apart from what you do or don't do. It's the kind of love that breaks your heart, and it breaks it because it can make it bigger. A love that creates belovedness by the one that it rests upon. So today was a big day for baptisms at Christ Church. We have baptisms at the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock. And I think sometimes we take this sacrament for granted. We kind of think of it as a naming ceremony or a rite of passage or a great day to invite the relatives over for lunch and go to church. I'm not sure that we really pay attention as much to what we're saying as a congregation during that and also what's happening because it's actually one of the most powerful things that you will ever witness in your lifetime. Because that is what the theology of the cross is about. It looks very simple standing over there, doesn't it? The baptismal font has some water in it. But don't be fooled by this simple water and the little smiling babies that are there. This is supernatural stuff that happens right over there. So I started thinking, well, what do I need to know about baptism? I've been to seminary, I've had all these classes, I can spout things to you, but I had to get down to what do I need to know about baptism for me? And what I came to was it's not something that I do, either as a priest or in my own baptism, but something that is done to me by God. I do nothing but receive in this exchange. I go down into the water or maybe get sprinkled by water and then something is washed off me and something is put on me. It's like, in my mind, came out like my granddaughters have temporary tattoos all the time. It's like a temporary tattoo of self. All the things I think about myself are on me and those are washed off. And the cross of Christ and the seal are put on me. So what do I do to deserve this? What do I do to earn this? Nothing. Just like Jesus at that point had done nothing. Baptism is a gift of grace. It's a claiming of one of its own by the house of God. God's supernatural power through water that binds us to Christ. And I started thinking, what does this mean to me as an adult? Well, it means that I am marked forever. The devil is not getting me because I belong to Christ. doesn't matter where I go or what I do. There is a seal on me that can only be seen spiritually, and I can trust that. It's like the Marines. Christ will not leave me behind. I can't do anything to remove it or deserve it. I am marked as Christ's own forever. So what makes me beloved? In order to be loved There has to be a lover and an object of that love, nothing more. I am the object of the love, and Christ is the lover. That's what makes me beloved. I don't do anything to receive that. I be loved. 
So I saw a movie last night. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I highly recommend it. It's called Lion. It was um, based on a true story from 1987, and it's set in India. There is, um, it's, a, it's a very nice story, I think, about this belovedness. It's a five-year-old boy, little, this is probably why I fell for it, it's the cutest little boy ever, but he falls asleep in a train, and it's a decommissioned train, and he can't get out, and it takes him a thousand miles away from home. He's only five years old, so when he gets off, like most boys, he doesn't know, like, his mother's name. They're like, what's your mother's name? And he says, Mommy. You know, where are you from? And he doesn't really know. He has a five-year-old's idea of that. So they keep telling him, well, your mother's not looking for you. Your mother doesn't care about you. But he knows that's not true. He keeps telling them that's not true. He is fiercely and deeply loved. He knows it. It haunts him. And he knows that they are suffering because he hasn't come back. He knows that they love him so much that they are suffering, and he needs to let him know he's okay. He searches every corner of his mind as he grows up to try and get clues to lead him home. What did that street look like? What did, where, you know, what did that station look like? He knew that he was loved, not because he was good, but because he was her son. That was all that he needed to know. And I think we're like this boy. We know down deep that we are fiercely loved. We can't forget it. It haunts us. But we're told by others that there's nothing there, that there is no God to love us. God doesn't care about us. God's not looking for us. They say that's a fairy tale. Don't you believe it? You are loved like that because you were given life by God. Baptism is a moment when the outwardly simple element of water is infused with the supernatural love of Christ. In baptism, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Sealed and marked. Keep that in your mind. And I thought about, what it, just imagine if our eyes were strong enough where we could see that mark on us, see that seal on us. When we brush our teeth in the morning or comb our hair, when we walk around and see people in the, in the world, that we could plainly see that we are accepted and loved. But as 1 Corinthians tells us, now we see in a mirror dimly, then we see face to face. You know, this is really important. Because this happens in Jesus' life just before he goes into the wilderness. He is soaked in love. He is told that he is beloved. Before he goes into this place where the devil tells him there is no God. That happens to us every morning. Every morning when we walk out into the world. And they tell us it's not true, you're not loved. There's an author, Sarah Condon, I really like. And Mockingbird just published a new book by her. It's called Churchy. And um, she says that Jesus Christ is always speaking a word over us all day long. Righteous, beloved, forgiven. We're made holy through his holiness, and we cannot let evil tell us otherwise. And because it's the 500th um, anniversary of the Reformation, Martin Luther's year, I think it's okay to quote some Martin Luther. She says that she does this every day. This is something that Martin Luther said. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, will you tell him this? I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. Where he is, there I shall be also. 
I think we all need to hear this on the radio station of our mind all day long, every moment of the day. You don't have to do anything to be loved. You are marked and sealed forever. You are not forgotten. And if you've never been baptized, now may be the time to think about letting the heavens break open so you can hear that you are the child who it pleases me to love. You are loved. But I encourage you to seek out that baptism that will change that way that you connect with that. Amen.